0: go to Mark chapter 9. Beginning of verse 17. A man came to Jesus and he said, Master, I brought unto you my son which has a dumb spirit. <laughs> I met a few of those myself. <laughs> no, not really. This guy, you know, let's be serious, okay? This guy... <laughs> This guy probably, you know, put his family through torture because they couldn't help him. Because, he, you know, maybe it was epilepsy. I don't know. The Bible doesn't really make it clear. But it says, he said, Master, I brought unto you my son, which has a dumb spirit. Whenever he, he takes him, he tears him. He foams at the mouth. And he's pining. He's wasting, he's wasting away, gnashing with his teeth. Wasting away. And I spoke to your disciples that they would cast him out, but they could not. So what does that tell you? That tells you that you may have gotten prayed for, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't want you healed. I said, you may have gotten prayed for, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't want you healed. His will is for your health. He's not willing that they should perish. He's will, he said, I came that you might have life, have it more abundantly. We just read Psalm 22 today, if you're reading through the Bible with us. Why would we want to read through the Bible together? Because it keeps us in the same, same thought patterns all week long. We're reading the same verses. You know, we didn't just do that to make up some kind of religious rule. No, you do it so that you can be in one accord, one page, right? So anyway, in Psalm 22, David, about 800 years before Jesus, gave a better account of what took place at Calvary than the people that stood there. They gave a, a snapshot, but he gave an x-ray. Just like Isaiah 53 himself, who has believed our report. Unto him, unto the person that believes it, he said, my strength will be revealed. And then he talks about delivering you from sickness and delivering you from disease and destruction. All that stuff is available to us, right? So so just because, no, but here's here's how the church today operates. The church today operates in this vein. Well, Father if it be thy will, and puts the onus on him. When Jesus says, according to your faith, yes. be it unto you. We're trying to put it back on him what he put on us. So I just want you to know that he's always willing. The leper came to him in Matthew chapter 8, and verse 1. He said, if you're willing, I'll be clean. He grabbed him, grabbed a leper that hadn't had human contact in years, and Tussim said, of course this is my will. And he preached the whole chapter, including in the centurion and Peter's mother-in-law and all that, and he healed a man, a woman, a child. He's saying, my will is for you. Beloved, I pray above all else, my number one prayer, above all else, above all else I pray that you will prosper, that you will be in health even as your soul prospers. So when he says, according to your faith, be it unto you, that includes your finances, right? That includes your physical health. That includes, well, I heard a preacher say this one time. We're going everywhere preaching because I haven't been here for a while, so you just have to bear with me. Um, A preacher went down into Central America, flew down there on his plane, and he went in there preaching to missionaries. And he said, um, he got them all together and he said, how many of you here can believe God for a bicycle to go preach the gospel? Hands went up all over the place. He said, how many of you can believe God for a new bicycle? Well, he lost a few hands, but pretty, pretty okay. Then he said, how many of you can believe God for a car? Well, he lost a few more bicycle. People were gone. Then he said, how many of you can believe God for a new car, right? And then he said, how many of you can believe God for an RV so that you can go out there and start church out in the jungle? And just a couple hands left. But what he said next was so true. It makes no difference to God. It makes no difference to God. He said, I've given you all things freely to enjoy. Ephesians 1, 3, I've already blessed you with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. The only ceiling that you have is the one that you built. What can you believe God for? You know, why would he say, I'm powerful to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think? Well, what are you thinking about? Here's the other thing about faith. If you could do it, you know, we're believing God for another building. If we could go do it. We would need faith if you can do it yourself. You can find a way to maneuver and manipulate and do the thing. Then you don't really—it's not your faith isn't required. No, faith is when you—faith is when it's impossible for you. That's what faith is—the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not
1: seen. Anyway, here we, where did we stop off here in Matthew or Mark nine? Thank you. Oh, yes, 18, a good verse. He answered them and said,
0: Why are you such faithless people? How much longer must I remain with you and put up with your unbelief? (laughs) That's the literal translation. Should I read it for you again help you out here? Why are you such faithless people? How much longer must I remain with you and put up with your unbelief? That's the same story that he told all through the Old Testament. When are you going to believe me? When are you going to rise up and believe me? Matter of fact, in in, uh, chapter 13 of Numbers, he said, As you have spoken into my ear, so it will be done unto you. You want to die here in the wilderness? I'm going to let you die. But you didn't have to. But he said, he said, As surely as I live, my glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. He said, I'm going to manifest my glory to somebody. It could be you.
1: Will you believe me? Just believe me. So then we'll read the next verse. Um, he asked the Father, How long? This,
0: well, no, read verse 20. They brought him onto him, and straightaway the spirit tore him up, and he fell on the ground foaming. Well, I remember one time I was talking to Joey and Lisa about this yesterday. I remember one time, I don't know if you were there, Pastor Paul, or not. We were in St. John's Newfoundland at Harvester Church, and George Moss was preaching, and somebody, a demon-possessed woman, began to manifest herself right in the front. And so I jumped up out of my seat, and Warren jumped out of his seat, and, and we were just, you know, ready to take this woman on. George walked by, and he went, pointed at her, and she fell out on the floor. Just like that. And so I asked him afterwards, of course, what, how,
1: how why? He said, faith never gets frustrated. <laughs> so you saying I wasn't in faith? Yeah,
0: that's what I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for your encouragement. <laughs> yeah. But here's this, here's this young man foaming on the ground and wallowing in and and all of that. And Jesus is there having a conversation with him. He asked, he asked the father, How long ago did this start? Meanwhile, the guy's flipping all over the floor. How long ago did this start? Calm as can be, right? He said, since he was a child. Oftentimes, he cast him into the fire, into the water, and uh, to destroy him. Here's the next part. If you can do anything, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. In other words, if it be your will, but that's that's the big lie that the church believes today. The big lie is that you believe it's up to him. The big lies you believe that what's going to happen in the rest of your life is up to him, and yet it's all up to you according to your faith. So, so he says, "What do you mean?" The question is not,
1: "The question is not can I believe." The question is, "Can you believe?" Hmm. And but, but let's read the next verse in. Straight away the father said.
0: He he cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. You need to underline that. It'll help you. Because you realize that obviously he had faith in his heart because the kid's about to get healed. But in his head, he was still struggling. I said in his head, he was still struggling, trying to believe, but his heart was already there. Jesus saw that the people came running together He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, You dumb spirit, (laughs) I charge you, come out of him and enter him no more. Verse 26, And the spirit cried and rent him, and came out of him, and he was there as a dead man. So much as people thought, the people thought he was dead. So the people didn't have any faith at all. But I mean, (laughs) thank God this man did. Let's go to Mark chapter 5. Similar story. Let me know when you get to Mark chapter 5. Okay, okay let's go to Malachi chapter 4. Last, last book of the, new, of the Old Covenant. After that, God was silent for 300 years. Aren't you glad He has
1: been been silent for, to you for 300 years? Come on. I want to look in verse um, 2. But you that fear my name, you fear my
0: name, shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth as calves loosed from the stall. Talking about the coming of the Messiah and talking about that he would have healing in his, in his actually, in his prayer shawl was what this indicated. Now we need to go to Mark 5. Okay. See, she had to have, If you get the word to stand on and you stand on it. It's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They read Isaiah 43. I'll go through the waters, and not overflow me. I'll walk through the fire, I'll not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon me. They didn't just get thrown into that pit, having no scripture to stand on. They knew. If you read it properly in the Hebrew of Daniel, they said, go ahead, throw us in if you have to. But we're still not going to bow and serve you because our God will deliver us. The new translations make it sound like he might and he might not, but the literal translation says, we're not sweating any of this. And when you're not sweating and the guards that are pushing you on the way die from the heat, you got something going on in your heart. But see, that's, that's how faith works. Faith doesn't go by what you see. Faith goes by what you know. And so in verse 25, a certain woman had an issue of blood 12 years. Now, I know I know that Ken started, he, by the way, he'll be here a Thanksgiving weekend again. But he taught this, indicating that the woman was like Granny Clampett, kicking the crowd out of the way. But the fact is, she had been sick for 12 years. She was totally wiped out. Her money was gone; she was sickly. she was crawling on her hands and knees to try and get through a crowd and they were stepping on her fingers and bumping into her and but the But the thing is, she knew she knew that if I can touch his prayer shawl, that when the son of righteousness comes, he'll have healing, and I'll be able to get my healing and so she held on to that and so it says that she suffered many things from many doctors. And spent all that she had. It was nothing better, but grew worse. I've suffered some things from doctors myself over the past little while. <laughs> Hallelujah! It's all good. Verse, um, verse um, twenty-seven. She heard about Jesus. She heard about him and recognized. This is Malachi four 2. This is the Son of Righteousness. And she came in the press behind him and touched his garment. For she said, for she continued to say is what it says in the, in the Greek. And the word is Lego. Have you ever used Lego building blocks? This is the word Lego here. It's like you keep saying it and you keep building on it. You keep building on it until it becomes a revelation in your life. Because it's not what you know when you hit, it's what you know when you hurt. Revelation knows is what sets you free. So she said continue to say. A systematic discourse, okay? She just kept talking it, kept talking it, until it became her, became her reality. Amen. Because, because you will get what your faith expects. That's what will be happen for you. What are you expecting today? If you're not expecting God to move big time in your life, change your expectation. How do I do that? Well, you get scriptures. Like you can start with Psalm 91. I will say of the Lord. He's my refuge and my fortress in God in my God in whom I trust. I just don't carry a verse around in my pocket or you know, I gotta say it, I gotta speak it every day. Call in those things that be not as though they were. Amen. Amen. So if she heard of Jesus, came the press behind him, and she said, for she said
1: continually, continually she said, If I may but touch his clothes,
0: Touch his prayer shawl, I shall be made whole. And straight away, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed from the plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out from him, turned and said, Who touched my clothes? See, and the disciples think he's asking the wrong question. His disciples said, you see the multitude thronging you. What do you say and who touched me? But he looked around about to see who had done this thing. And when the woman fearing and trembling, and by the way, that fearing and trembling wasn't that she was afraid of him. you got to go back and use it to find the original time. This phrase is used used in the Old Testament. It's reverence. It's anticipation. She's not afraid of somebody. It just healed her. You know. So
1: you, go and look that up and get that right. I don't remember what the verse is, or i give it to you right now. Um,
0: and he looked around and said, saw her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Hmm. So she said continuously, then she acted, then she received, and then she felt in her body, finally. She felt in her body. But look at what he said to her. He said to her, daughter? It's because I'm the Son of God. It's because I'm Almighty God. And you mere earthlings can't do this. What's it say? Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be
1: whole from your plague. Wow. Hallelujah. Faith. Faith abides forever.
0: Faith, open love, these three abide. And faith is the most powerful force in the universe. God created the universe with faith, and then he gave you his faith. He said, "I'm going to give you faith. It's a gift from God. It's his grace. Not if works, lest any man should boast. He's, he, it's kind of like you've got this deposit of faith in you. It's kind of like um, you have muscles. Some people go to the gym and develop them. Other people go to the donut store and don't. Again, I'm I'm not saying there's anything wrong with either one of those things. What I'm saying is, faith is a muscle that needs to be developed. And the only way that it can get developed is, well, Peter said it this way. He said, the trial of your faith. Uh Uh-oh. That means there's going to be tests. How often? Well, for me, it's been daily. I don't know how you're doing. (laughs) Going to the gym again, God, okay. (laughs) The trial of your faith. He said it's more precious than winning the lottery. Well, he said the gold that perishes. He said, because the only thing that you're taking into eternity is the faith that you develop here. There won't be any opportunity to develop faith when you get to heaven. It's not required there. So here is that's, that's why you count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, stress, and tests and trials. Oh, yippee! Another test! Yes! Another trial! When I went to school, I will not talk again in class. I will not talk again in class. I will not talk again in class. Again in class. <laughs> Pages of it after school, right? They don't do that anymore, but uh, but that's how you learn the Word of God too. It didn't help me with talking in school, but it does when you meditate the Word.
1: Okay. Faith, faith forever. Let's go to um,
0: yeah. Let's go to Matthew chapter nine because these they really parallel Matthew nine and Mark nine. Matter of fact,
1: the story of the woman with the issue of blood is in Mark Matthew nine as well. I want to pick it up in verse twenty-seven though. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed
0: him. That'd be interesting. <laughs> Oops. Forgot that didn't I didn't know there was a step there. No, no, but think put it in your mind. This is this is what they did. They had to follow him. They had to feel their way along to find out where he was going. And, and then it says they said unto him, Thou son of David, Yeshua ben David, show us Hesed, show us covenant kindness, because healing is a mercy. Everything that you get from God is a mercy. Aren't you glad you didn't get what you deserved? I don't know about you, but I'm very thrilled that I didn't get what I deserved. And that keeps me humble. I thank God a lot of the time. I thank you, God, that without you, I'm nothing. I'm a zero, but with you, I can do all things. And I can't can't never take a bow, never be able to stand there and say, well, I did it my way. No, I did it his way. You do it his way. Keep your face to the ground. (laughs) That's why why Paul said, I bow my knees. I don't think it was just a physical thing. He was saying, I bow my heart before the Lord all the time. Amen. So Jesus departed from there, and they followed him, and they said, Yeshua ben David, show us mercy. And when they had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? That's talking about God's power. They said, Yes, unto him, Yes, we believe. But he said, "But Look at what he said here
1: next. He touched their eyes and said unto them, According to your faith, be it unto you, your will and not mine. Huh. And and one translation
0: says, "You will have what your faith expects." Hallelujah! You will have what your faith expects. Got that? Okay. Let's go to Math. Um, let's go to Mark chapter ten. Look at another one.
1: According to your faith, your faith, you'll get what you expect. Think about it. You get what you
0: expect. If you're not expecting right, then get it right. Read some more Bible. Become a disciple. Find out what it is that he has for your life. Stop listening to the devil telling you that you're inferior and that you can't amount to anything. Wait a second. I'm an heir with God and a joint heir with Jesus, and he loved me enough. He paid the highest price to get me. He paid with his own blood. And if I had been the only one, he'd have paid with his own blood. So how can I have an inferior thought? It's time. To, no, but it's time. And again, it's, it's it's not about pride, but it's about knowing who you are. It's about time to stand up and take your place in the kingdom of God,
1: because the people out there need to see you doing that. Lay hold of God's faithfulness. Amen. Where did I say I go? Okay, chapter ten, verse forty-six. Somebody preached about this a few weeks ago. It might have been Pastor Paul. I don't know. I just remember hearing it. And they came into Jericho and went out
0: of Jericho. What would they go into Jericho for? If they're going to turn around and go out. They went because
1: they were waiting on this guy. Waiting on a guy. And look at this. And a great number of people. A great
0: number. Like he was thronged by thousands of people all the time we got this picture of a few guys in bathrobes and sandals. It wasn't like that at all. Like, I said it wasn't like that at all. He had an evangelist that came, at least 70 people, that he had to feed and clothe. So, <laughs> he didn't have some small ministry. And more than that, I, I know at one point he said, you know, I have no place to lay my head. Foxes have holes, I have no place to lay my head. But that was... That was while he was on the move. He fulfilled Deuteronomy. In order to fulfill Deuteronomy 28, to fulfill the whole law, you've got to be blessed above all. You're the and not the tail above and never underneath. Blessed is your bank account. Blessed is your storehouse. He had, he had a lot of money. People don't like to hear that. Sometimes religious people don't like to hear that, but he had a lot of money. He had an accountant with him that was stealing from him, and he still kept a lot of money. Remember Judas? He held the bag of money. When they saw Judas going out, they thought he was going somewhere to buy somebody, you know, going out to give the money away when he was really going out to sell Jesus down the river for 30 pieces of silver. I think about him sometimes because he's sitting in hell today. 2,000 years later, and all he can think about is I sold him for 30 pieces of silver. That would be hell by itself. What is hell anyway? It's Being absent from the presence of God, eternally. Eternal absence from the presence of God. Well, there's a whole lot more to it than that, but that's enough right there. So he came and went from Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people. And blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus set by the highway by the wayside begging now used that they used to have a special garment on and all that they, that they would wear to identify themselves and uh, when when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was close by he began to cry out yeshua ben david show me hesed hesed show me covenant kindness do you want to know what covenant kindness is go back to Samuel 2 Samuel chapter 9 and see what David did for Mephibosheth. It's a perfect example of God's covenant kindness. Matter of fact, David said, is there anybody from the house of Saul that I can show Hesed to, covenant kindness to? And Ziba said, yeah, there's one guy. There's one guy. His name is Mephibosheth. It means shameful thing. And uh, he was five years old when he got the report that you became the king. And so his nurse grabbed him and ran off with him and dropped him on his head when he fell off the donkey. And he's been crippled ever since, and he's living in a place called Lodabar. Lo means no, and Dabar means word. He's in a place of no word. And then David said, fetch him. And they had to go, and can you imagine watching the chariots roll up in the driveway when you've been hiding for all those years from the king, thinking he's going to kill you? And then, And then they come in, they pick him up and carry him out and take him to David's house. And and the first thing he says to David is, why would you want anything to do with such a dead dog as me? The attitude that we have towards God. David totally ignored that and said, set this guy at the king's table. He's going to eat there continually. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Changed his life forever, even though he was a shameful thing. So God took your shame, and for your shame, he gives you a double for confusion you rejoice in your portion, and in the land you'll possess the double, and everlasting joy shall be upon you. Yeah. Right. Hallelujah. So have mercy on me. And many charged him. Oh, I've been to this church. Many charged him and said, shut up, you're making too much noise. What are you doing up there dancing around in front of everybody? Making a spectacle over yourself. David said, yeah, wait till you see me tomorrow. Wait till you think I'm, you think I'm based today. You haven't seen nothing yet, lady. I'm just getting started. It's time for boldness. It's time for boldness. It's time to wake up, almighty man. They charged him that he should hold his peace. And yet he cried out a great deal more. But see, this is how faith acts. You know, you're not concerned about being polite. You're not concerned about what other people think about you. You're desperate to get a hold of God. And your desperation is, what, is where the breakthrough is. No, the, the big breakthrough comes when you're bold and when you push through the crowd. Yeshua ben David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called.
1: And now look, look at the crowd now, though. They said, oh, he's calling for you. Be of good comfort. Rise up and go. <laughs> no, but what's that tell you, though? Crowds are fickle. One day they'll say,
0: Hosanna, Hosanna. And a few days later they'll say, crucify him. Yeah. No, but that's people's nature. You just got to know that once you know that, you don't get mad at people. You get mad at principalities and powers and deal with them. Amen. Amen. Cast away his beggar's garment. He rose and came to Jesus. Jesus answered unto him and said unto him, what do you want me to do for you? Well, it should have been obvious, but he needs your confession. He needs you to say what it is you're after from him. The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Well, Son, it's a good thing that I came by today because if I hadn't come by today, you'd have been blind forever. Is that what he said? He said, go in peace.
1: Your faith has made you whole. Mm. Lay hold of God's faithfulness, man. That's what it is.
0: Lay hold of the faithfulness of God. He's so faithful. I was watching... um, on TV here a couple of weeks ago, I guess, on one of the, uh, maybe the Discovery Channel, and they were interviewing somebody uh, talking about Azusa Street. And Azusa Street, how many of you know what Azusa Street even was? Yeah, a few of you. It was the biggest revival that happened in the last 150 years. And it happened with a man named Seymour who was blind in one eye. And uh, so he he had some things against him and he was a black man and that wasn't all that popular back then either but anyway he 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 got filled with the holy ghost in 1906 began to speak with other tongues and moved to california when he got to california he went and began to preach in a church and the church found out that he was full of the holy ghost and so they get in the left for the fellowship <laughs> which they're famous for. Anyway, so, so he left there, and he said, God, what am I going to do now? And so God said, I'm going to take you to a building. He went and, there was an old stable on Azusa Street. He went down and looked at it and just said, "Wow, well, you know, what, 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 do you, what am I? He talked to the owner, and the owner had wanted X amount of dollars to rent it per month. He said, well, I don't have any money. And uh, so uh, he said, what do you want me to do? And God said, I want you to go to Pasadena on the bus. So he, come on, now. You, we're talking about what faith looks like. He got on the bus to Pasadena, or it may have been Santa Barbara. I might not have the city, right? Anyway, he got on the bus. He said, how am I going to know when to get off? And God said, I'll, I'll nudge you. So he went down the street, and finally God said, go, stop here and go in that house. So he went up and knocked on the door of the house, and there was a bunch of women in there praying to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And when he walked in, he, of course, he did what he did. He prayed for them. And somebody said something about him being a black man. He said, well, let me just say this about that. He said, when I got born again, God didn't change my color. But I'm a new species that I'm not one race or another. Now I'm a new creation in God. And that's who I am, and that's who I'll always be. So I don't identify with any particular race. I identify with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so he did that. But anyway, he got these ladies together, and they went down to Azusa Street, (laughs) and it was full of poop. I mean, like knee deep. They had to shovel all that stuff out just to have church. But then when the church began, millions of people had been touched by Azusa Street I'm not sure it was Grand Central Station back in that day, but the only big place in Los Angeles where you could come in, you couldn't get a plane. There wasn't a plane out there yet. So they would come in, and they were falling out on the platform when they got off the plane, off the train. I mean, God began to move. And it wasn't through Seymour. He used to sit with a box over his head and pray. He said, God... I've been praying for hour, five hours. What do you want me to do now? God said, pray seven. And so he started, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know anybody who prays more than an hour a day, but he was praying seven hours a day, and he put his head in a box so that he would pray and so that he, he would only do and say what God told him to do and say. But there was people in the crowd. One guy in the crowd healed, prayed for, and saw 50 different blind people healed. And one of the women didn't even have pupils. I mean, those were the kind of miracles that were taking place then. And then, of course, they prophesied that in the last days there'd be another revival greater than that one. And I believe that we're stepping into it right now. But again, I'm not gonna put a box on my head, but I'm saying is that I don't have any plans. What I'm saying is if God doesn't move, nothing's gonna happen. But we know. He's got a plan for us and a purpose for our lives. So don't ever, don't ever get discouraged by things. If you have to get on a bus to Pasadena, what I mean is he'll direct you to to get what you need. He said he'll supply all of, you know, he said, I'll supply all your needs. One of my favorite verses is Philippians 4.11. I mean, you start in verse 4, uh, rejoice in the Lord sometimes, and again, when you feel like it. Always, verse six. Be anxious for nothing. Let's see your hand. Show hands for that. See, that's not a request, people. It's like John fourteen one. That's not a request. See, that's a, he's, he doesn't give requests. Don't let your heart be troubled. What's he saying? If he's saying don't let your heart be troubled, that tells me that you're responsible to make sure your heart doesn't get troubled. Yeah. And if your heart gets troubled, it's because you're thinking the wrong stuff, right? Oh. Anyway, he said in 4 6, be anxious, be troubled by nothing. But in everything, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, 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 thanksgiving make your request be made known unto God. And then you let the peace of God rule your heart and be thankful. You let the peace of God rule your heart how do I do that? He'll tell you in verse, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, pure, just, virtuous, praiseworthy of a good report, think on these things. If you're going to worry, worry the Word. Yeah. Worry the Word day and night and you'll make your way prosperous and you have good success. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca.